Hello and welcome to Down the Blind Side at the Rugby World Cup, brought to you in association with DID Electrical. I'm Peter O'Reilly of the Sunday Times. And I'm Brendan Fanning of the Sunday Independent. So here we are at the pointy end of the pool stages, the pivotal week of the campaign, and after that stuttering performance against Italy in the Olympic Stadium, we'll hear from Johnny Sexton about Irish complacency, how to tackle Matthew Bastero, and what to expect against France in Cardiff on Sunday. If you were underwhelmed by Ireland, imagine what it was like to have been an England supporter the previous evening at Twickenham. Our colleague Steve Jones will tell us what this means for the tournament, for English rugby and of course for one Stuart Lancaster. We'll recap on a clean sweep for the provinces in the Guinness Pro 12 and we'll be announcing our Ulster Bank League Player of the Week. Plus we have our competition with a €100 voucher for DID Electrical. More on that in a while. But first, Johnny Sexton. Brendan may have rushed back to Dublin after Sunday's game, but I went down to Ireland's team hotel in Canary Wharf yesterday to catch up with Ireland's playmaker. I started by asking him whether they had been guilty of complacency against Italy. I think we tried to prepare as best we could, and um, I think we did that. But I, I think when a team that has played, I would say, poorly for three or four games previously and had some poor results... Maybe, I don't know, I can only speak for myself, but I knew it was going to be a tough game, but it, you know, did everyone? I don't know, we're going to have to ask ourselves those questions this week. Did we fall into that trap a bit that we thought we were going to play against the Italian team that played against you know France or against Scotland in the warm-up games where they lost both games? And I suppose we tried to look at the Welsh game because like Parisa makes such a difference to them. That was the last game he played and that was a pretty close game against a Welsh team in the Millennium Stadium. So... Um, look, I hope that we, we, we wouldn't have been complacent, but maybe it's a question we've got to ask ourselves at the start of this week. Traditionally, Ireland haven't been good in the role of favourites. Did you think we'd got past that stage, that you, Ireland would be able to be consistent regardless of the, op- the opposition? Yeah, we have got past that. So, like, we, we, were f- we, we won a Six Nations off the back of winning another, you know, we won back-to-back Six Nations and, you know, when you win a Six Nations, I think we were probably favourites to win it the following year, minus guys like Brian O'Driscoll and, um, you know, we produced, we, we've been favourites before against uh, Southern Hemisphere teams at home after we beat South Africa, we were favourites to beat Australia, we beat them, so I don't think it's anything got to do with that, I think we just didn't play well enough on the day, we didn't get a lot of aspects of our game right. Um, but like I've mentioned a few things like our discipline um, you know anytime we were building pressure on them we let them off the hook with a penalty or you know a forced uh, turnover an unforced turnover a, a mistake and yeah we just allowed them to, to, to stay in the game and um, through, through lack of you know accuracy on our part and, and you got to give them credit as well Johnny we've known all along that France game was pivotal how far back have you spoken has Joe and, and the group spoken specifically about this game? You know, how far back in your preparation have you talked specifically about this game coming up with plays and so forth? Uh, we haven't. You're, <laughs> you're not going to believe us, but uh, we might have. You know, been, we we did a lot of generic plays um, at the very start of preseason, plays that we sort of put into the into the playbook as such that we'll, we'll draw at a later stage some of them we haven't drawn yet and maybe they're the ones that are going, Joe's going to pull out this week So, um, but in terms of speaking about France we honestly haven't spoken about them yet Your former teammate uh, Shane Horgan has expressed concerns about your tackle technique saying that you go in too high and you put yourself at risk is that something you're concerned about and have you adapted your tackle technique at all? I, I think I've 
tried to mix it up a bit more. You know, a lot of the time, you know, if you can ta tackle the ball, it slows down the, the rook for the, the opposition on the next phase. Um, obviously, a chop tackle is very effective when you've got good poachers around you. And um, I don't know, I'm happy enough with, with my defence. I think, obviously, I respect Shane's opinion. I, I was his teammate for years and we had um, some great times together. We also had a lot of run ins together. And uh, no, but I do respect his opinion. I think, uh, you know, it's been spoke about it last year when I came back from a couple of head knocks that you know I need to tackle lower but your head is just as exposed when you go low as it is when you go high I think um, the only thing I'd say is that when you go high you'd expect the referees to keep an eye out for leading elbows or, or leading heads and um, yeah I think it's up to the, the referees to look after that rather than me having to worry about it Okay tell me this uh, a lot of people would struggle to believe that they didn't have a bit of an L yak about France prior to this. Did you believe him when he told you that? Oh, who am I to doubt Ireland's playmaker? Um, he looked me straight in the eye when he gave that answer. Uh, I find it hard to believe that certainly Joe hasn't been thinking specifically about France. Yeah, maybe maybe he has kept them on on script uh, and has tried to get them to focus week to week. That would be his his modus operandi. Uh, I do think that part of the reason that, that they Ireland were so poor against Italy is that no matter how professional they were, they were probably subconsciously thinking one fence down the line, thinking about France. Uh, they certainly didn't see, as Johnny said, they didn't see that Italy performance coming. And it's probably a good time to to take back those unkind suggestions I made about Jacques Brunel last week because uh, he did a job on them, but didn't he? Yeah, but in fairness, they had zero form coming into the tournament. They had no form in the tournament. Uh, the history with Ireland, apart from the blip in Rome a couple of years ago, was that when it comes comes to big games, we win them. There was no no reason to think that Italy were going to play the way they did and in fairness to them they did play very well I went back and looked at it again last night when I came home yeah. uh, <laughs> no, I'm sure this is this is off the wall but it looked as if Ireland were, were deliberately playing within themselves on occasion I was intrigued and encouraged when Sexton mentioned there that the possibility of some new plays coming from, from Schmidt they could certainly do with them on the evidence of the way they played uh, in the Olympic Stadium. Yeah, it was flat, wasn't it? So I don't know if they were holding themselves back. Um, but if you look at 1.38 million tuned in on TV3, uh, I don't know if the viewers could see how green it was there. It was great anticipation that we were miles away from the pitch. But when you see them going through the Mexican wave, you know that they're underwhelmed. Uh, so I think that because they were so flat, there has to be reaction this this week, and uh, they need to score a try or two against France, and that's that's why I'm not sure how they. I can't see how they'll score tries at the moment because. Well, that's um, where you, that's where you're back to the the plays. I mean, Ireland's try scoring typically comes straight from the training ground, from clever set piece plays that expose people, drag defenders into particular positions, and then shift the ball into an alternate space and strike. Uh, we're yeah. not we're not big enough to batter France through phase after phase after phase and then have an overlap of three or four at the end. We couldn't do it to Italy. We're not going to be able to do that to France. No, it, yeah, just so many of those of those kind of power plays rely on winning a collision or two, and, and that that could be an issue, as you say, because we struggled in the collisions against Italy. Um, the the O word is up for discussion again, Bren. Offloads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, it was interesting, uh, ESPN Scrum, whose stats are pretty reliable, said that Ireland uh, had only two offloads in the game. The official match stat said five. Yeah. Um, it felt like two, didn't it? It felt like two. And I thought there was one, it was interesting when Keith Earls tried one in the second half to, to Dave Carney. And it led uh, almost directly to Josh Ferno nearly scoring in the left corner. Yeah. So... <laughs> thinking uh, that Joe might be uh, I mean it was we, we spoke to him at the start of the year about this and he said that well I'll have we'll have a lot of time together during this during the summer and that's a, our opportunity to to work on combinations and get used to our own body language and know when it's on and when it's not on it doesn't look like they've got to that stage yet well I thought that was uh, I thought he was just giving us a line to be honest when he said <laughs> that because they they know each other pretty well and the professional rugby players and a lot of amateur rugby players know when it's on and when it's not on. And the problem yeah. against Italy was that it wasn't on. And the reason it wasn't on was that they were losing the collision. So offloading from a position of weakness is, is never a good idea. And yeah. that's what ha- happened to the, led to the Furnace right. incident. Yeah, one of the reasons that they were operating from a strength of weakness was the, the, the refereeing of the rear foot oh, offside. God. Yeah. I don't, I just don't, I know at, at the risk of banging on ad nauseum about this but anytime we mention it to other people they go yeah yeah you know it is it's it's, it's killing the game what the hell is Joel Jouche doing you know why isn't he getting after the referees Garces was a disgrace on that issue uh, on Sunday he I, I just lost count of the number of times in that game and in other games where the defending team set their D-line if yeah. not quite halfway up the rook certainly ahead of the back foot yeah. and everything thereafter becomes an issue. And you've got two assistant referees. It's not the... I mean, if we can see it up in the stand, they can see it from where they are. Yeah. Um, and against France, France will eat eat that up. You know, the, the physicality that they're bringing to the show. Geez, they're hard to look at, I must say. that They're not a good team to watch play rugby. They're not. They're not. We have... Uh, just before we go on to France, it's good that we have Nigel Owens in, in charge on Sunday. That's worth a point worth making. Who uh, who should uh, police that that better? Um, well, you'd hope Fran- so. You'd hope so. Yeah, um, yeah. France. You know, if you think back to the ladder, okay, they have a few extra days run into this game. Their last game, though, against Canada, they, they were just seventeen twelve coming into halftime. That was the point at which uh, Jamie Cudmore wandered into their mall for a little chat. They weren't very happy about that. I don't know if you if you saw that. I did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he knew he had them rattled, though. That was the point I'm making. And then they were they were only twenty four twenty four eighteen up with sixty minutes. It'll be, uh, inter- it'll be interesting to see what they do to Armall, which was singularly unimpressive yesterday. And I'd say France will be chomping at the bit to get their hands on that. Yeah, the problem with being successful is that teams spend more time looking at you. And we rely pretty heavily on a on a go-forward um, mall. So that's, yeah, that's a reason for concern. I just think that one of Schmidt's strengths is, is analysing the opposition and, and finding kinks. Yeah. I, and I don't think that he will have prepared more for a game than he will have for this game. What about the kink in Jared Payne's foot? Is yeah. he going to be fit or not? We should know later today. But, I mean, Schmidt did say when I asked him after the game in the Olympic Stadium, he expected to have 31 players available for selection. Yeah, well, we find out today, they say they're, they're making a, a decision on Jared Payne today because no matter what we're told in the press conferences, it's, you know, today, Tuesday morning after a Sunday game is when the players find out what the team is. So mm. they have to know from today. He was in a moon boot yesterday, but 
he did a bit of jogging. Apparently, we'll we'll find out. We, we uh, for all the criticism that he's received, you'd want him there, wouldn't you? Because the the defense in that channel was pretty ropey on Sunday. Yeah, and he is a very good defender. The other thing is Schmidt tends not to pick players who are not fit, who haven't been training earlier in the week. So um, I don't think Payne is in the kind of Keane Healy class where we'll leave it up until a minute before the start to to give you a chance to play. So, uh, you know, at this remove, we'll see. But certainly his defence has been first class. Okay, well, we're working on the assumption that Payne's going to be there um, or the hope that he's going to be there um, and the assumption that Tommy Bow starts at 14. I think he should, given that we're going to kick a fair bit of ball to... And he he was very good in the air. He was. So who goes on the left, Dave Kearney or Keith Earlsbrand? Dave, Dave Kearney was not as good in the air as you might have hoped, but I would stick with him. Um, I think he's been really good otherwise. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would go with Kearney. What about you? Okay, well, I'm go- I would prefer Earls just because I think he's hot at the moment in, uh, in attack. Uh, what about what about loose head? Keen Healy or Jack McGrath to start? That's yeah, well, I, I would have thought he would have had a run with, with Healy to start against uh, against Italy but look look, McGrath the gap between them is closing the difference is that while Healy probably doesn't have McGrath's work rate McGrath doesn't have Healy's uh, explosive power I'd want to make a statement of the scrum from the outset that's why I'd want Healy in there because we know for sure that France is going to attack there Yeah I think um, I think we need to be uh, seven or ten points ahead by the time the front row replacements come on. Mm. Uh, the the bookies have it as a two point game. I think what'll be fascinating to see about the French selection is who they pick on the wing because once they lost Uge, that's a one sort of full back they had in their back three. If you look at their wings now, Remy Grosso from Castro, we hadn't heard of him before he got he got called into the squad. Brice Doulon is about five foot two. Mm. Uh, Sofiane. Gitoon hasn't got much track record and Nakataki you would kick to him he's brilliant in attack but you definitely you pressurise him in the air so that, that that's going to be a yeah, massive Schmidt, part of the game Schmidt will be getting his spies into the French camp as soon as he can to see what where they're lining out so he can he can work his plan accordingly anyway it'll be for the first time in the tournament for us at least attending an Ireland game I don't think there's going to be any Mexican waves or ole, ole, ole. <laughs> it's going to be edge of the seat stuff, super stressful, which is what you want at a test match. Yes, and I'm I'm still predicting that Freddie will go missing when it counts. Okay, well, we'll talk about that next week. In the meantime, let's look forward to the game. Competition time. Congratulations to Clean a Hand from Sandyman, who won last week's competition. Thanks to DID Electrical, each week during the Ruby World Cup, we have a €100 Euro voucher for any of their 22 stores around the country. To be in the mix, answer the following question. When the Rugby World Cup is over, Paul O'Connell is due to join which French club? Is it A, Toulouse, B, Toulon, or C, Tillersboard? To enter... Just go to the competition tab on our website, downtheblindside.com. He finds Foley. Foley to Adam Ashley Cooper. He's got Matt Gitto outside. Gives it to Gitto. And Gitto to round it off. Australia have dumped the host out of the competition.
Yes, McGillow's late try at Twickenham last Saturday night marked the death of England's sorry World Cup campaign. We're joined on the line now by our colleague Steve Jones. Steve, how are you? Uh, hi, boys. Yeah, good, thanks. In, in fairness, the last time we had you on the show, you expressed fairly serious doubts about England. Are you surprised by how it's panned out? Of course not. Um, you know, Lancaster was... Uh, I'm not being wise after the event, because four years ago, the day Lancaster came in, I said he was the wrong man. And he was the wrong man for every season a- a- after that. Um, but what I was surprised about was actually uh, Brent and Pete, how it, how, it, how it went down. I mean, uh, they were sort of average when they were in the Six Nations. Then coming into their warm-up games, they got worse and worse and worse. And there was an incredible downward spiral. I mean, by the end of it, in terms of an attacking force, they almost ceased to exist. Steve, this is the second time in a row the RFU have appointed a coach with no track record. Is that the problem, or does it go back to ignoring Clive, who had a vision for the way forward? Yeah, it, it's it's partly the issue because, um, you know, England have got this unbelievable misapprehension that they're any good at coaching rugby. Um, when you're not, uh, such as Wales and Ireland may not be that great at the moment, you go and get someone who is. But to, to have an internal appointment, sometime server who was just there was just shocking. Uh, that That's part of it. But the other thing is that Stuart uh, Lancaster didn't go into the job. And they kept on putting these horrendous um, uh, obstructions in front of themselves. The coaching group was clearly not, not together, never appeared to be. This great thing about England philosophy, um, you know, we're harking back to our old heritage and we'd all be together as one. That clearly didn't work either. The team weren't even fit, um, despite all the fitness training they were alleged to have done. So it was just going down and down. And the surprising thing was they were far worse at the end of the World Cup than they were at the start. It didn't take long for A, players to be saying why it had gone wrong and whose fault it was, and B, potential coaches to get their hands up. Eddie Jones, I see, is it giving a give me a ring, lads? I'd be happy to talk to you. Who would you go for? Well, definitely Eddie Jones. But you see, the thing is, the, 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 this 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 old regime, which has let England down in the World Cup, was was picked by, or at least the line manager, to use that awful modern expression, was Ian Ritchie, who's a, a guy from tennis. Who, you know, he'd seen a couple of rugby games before he came. Suddenly, he's 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 appointing, or at least putting the the, the, the you know the tick against the, the man in the most important rugby job in the world. Now, when I say the name Clive Woodward, half the country. Um, dash, uh, rushes out screaming the other half comes back in thinking actually he won the World Cup and is the only Northern Hemisphere man to do so Sir Woody should be in there now this morning plotting a, a short term group to do the Six Nations and finding a long term uh, group to take them through with him in charge not of the team but of all of professional rugby it's the only way Eddie Jones and Clive are great mates and they have been for years, and I think they'd be ideal. And for Eddie to suggest that, yes, he is interested and he's not all definitely signed up for Super Rugby is, in my opinion, very significant. I was struck, Steve, on Saturday night by the ashen-faced look on some of the media, some of the English media. You know, and personally, I, you know, it's, it's England's tournament. I would have wanted them at least into the business end of it. And I don't think it's great for business that they're, they're out. What do you reckon? Is this the tournament? Is this the tournament missing a, a, a cart or a chariot missing a wheel now, or what? Uh, no, first of all, read the English media. I've been called many things in my past, but never English before. So thank you for that. No. For that first. <laughs> I wasn't uh, referring. But, but um, the, 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 the ashen face. I mean, 
when it comes down to it, you, what you want is you all, all want your sports editor or your producer or whoever to enthuse on what you're doing, and it's going to become difficult, especially for the for the Brit the Brit tabloids to um, to enthuse on it anymore. But uh, I, I may be hopelessly naive here, but on Sunday I got up, the sun rose as as normal. Uh, I saw a gigantic crowd, mostly Irishmen, at, uh, at at one game. Another gigantic crowd at Leicester. I, I think it's the World Cup's alive and well. Um, and one thing that England have got, they got wonderful rugby followers. Commercially, maybe ITV might dip below Strictly Come Dancing, but um, I, I just think that the World Cup is alive and well. Maybe it'll be a few percentage points down, but I think all's well with that. And I think the weekend especially, and then the knockout will be fantastic. Right, Steve, England are out. Given you didn't fancy them to win it at the start, that's hardly changed your opinion on the eventual winner. Have you seen anything else to change your opinion on that front? No, not really. I always suspected, uh, as we said last time we spoke, that Australia were loads better than anyone thought. And my goodness, they're coming strong now. New Zealand are uh, 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 clearly up there. But uh, I'm afraid it's, uh, the, pr- the pressure's on you now because um, uh, Ireland are, in my opinion, the only uh, fighting chance for, for, for a European victory. So between those three, be surprised if it's outside that those three. But... Um, uh, you know, the, the, the coin gets tough, as they say, the tough get going, and the great, tough, experienced teams are now coming to the fore. I think the European victory we'd be focused on just at the moment is coming up on Sunday, so we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Steve, I imagine we'll see you there in Cardiff, so look after yourself in the meantime, and thanks for, for joining us. Cheers, guys. See you Sunday. Competition time. Congratulations to Clean a Hand from Sandy Mount, who won last week's competition. Thanks to DID Electrical, each week during the Royal Cup, we have a €100 Euro voucher for any of the 22 DID stores around the country. To be in the mix this week, answer the following question. When the World Cup is over, Paul O'Connell is due to join which French club? Is it A, Toulouse, B, Toulon, or C, Toulouse Board? To enter, just go to the competition tab on our website, downtheblindside.com. Now, the Pro 12, it's not easy plying your trade in the shadow of the World Cup, but at least it helps when you're turning a profit. All four provinces managed home wins over the weekend, and bizarrely, they are now lumped together from third to sixth in the table. Scarlet and their super quick defence are still, as the South Africans would say, top of the log. Top of the log. Incidentally, just it's good news for the... uh the Pro 12 that Simone Favaro will be taking part this year with uh, with Glasgow because he was arguably MOM, wasn't he, on Sunday? Yeah, he was good. He hits hard. Um, anyway, in the Ulster Bank League, the results of the day result of the day was in Glenina, where Galwegians beat reigning champions Lansdowne. Great result that. And our player of the week goes to their flying wing, Ed O'Keefe, now on four tries in the last two games. Originally from Young Munster, he's now in the Connacht Academy and clearly flying. Uh, and not flying quite so high in Division 1B, Shannon, once owners of this competition, are winless at the foot of the table after four rounds. So uh, change landscape and they're going to need to do something fairly dramatic fairly quickly. Open your eyes and ears to an awesome autumn of sport with DID Electrical and you could win a €1,000 Samsung 4K Curve TV. Just spend €100 or more in any DID electrical store or online at DID.ie. There's one amazing Samsung 4K Curve TV to be won every day. 
Be in it to win it every day at DID Electrical. Terms and conditions apply. See in store for details. Okay, any other business? Uh, yes, there is some business uh, at Leinster. Gervin Dempsey has been confirmed as the new assistant coach with special responsibility for the backs. Um, Richie Murphy moving on onwards and upwards uh, to a permanent gig with Team Ireland. Uh, Brent Gervin Dempsey, uh, not long retired. Um, his track record so far is that he, he's led the... Uh, the Leinster B team or the Leinster A team, I should say, to two British and Irish Cups and he's also been involved with Emerging Ireland. Uh, if you were a Leinster fan, you're looking at the new coaching team and it's two legends of Leinster but with no track record. Um, the, I don't think the optics are that good, are they? It depends which side of the RDS you're on. If you're on the newly arrived side and you want an Eddie Jones or a Jake White, then mm-hmm. you're not going to be overly impressed. But if you're on the other side, uh, who would be concerned with getting somebody who is technically really sound and knows exactly what he's at and is very well respected, well, then you'd be perfectly happy. I think it's a good appointment. Okay, well, ideally, I would have thought, well, you're looking for guys, ideally, to cut their teeth uh, away from uh, from the nest, if you like, to go to a different league. That's something we said about Munster in the past as well. Um, now, it's interesting, knowing Gervin from his playing days, I wouldn't have had him down uh, as a coach, I just didn't think he was that sort of personality. You've you've had some sort of dealings with him, haven't you? Yeah, and and he's he just impresses people with the level of his organisation and his knowledge. And while he was, uh, while we dealt with him in a media way, he was never uh, super sexy or or colourful or controversial. Um, he's certainly not devoid of personality. He's a good fellow, and I think he, yeah, yeah. I take your point about it, it not being a high profile. Uh, you know, easy to market uh, appointment, but I think he'll do well. And Lencer need that. Okay, well, of course, Cullen and Dempsey uh, learned quite a bit under Michael Checker, who's making a very good impression over here. Johnny Sexton yesterday was asked the reason for Checker's success, and we liked his answer. Because <laughs> everyone's probably scared shit this <laughs> if I was being honest um, look he knows his rugby as well he's a very clever guy um, but he does have that um, that presence where yeah he's he's a pretty scary guy when you, when you get on the wrong side of him speaking of scary the rant of the tournament so far goes to Epi Tyone chairman of the Tongan Rugby Union who's had a right go at world rugby for their in quotes colonial bullshit basically the way they fund the Tier 2 nations. His argument was undermined, I suppose, a wee bit by saying that World Rugby was based, and I quote, in a gypsy caravan park in Ireland somewhere. <laughs> I think the uh, the performance of the Tier 2s at this tournament suggests that World Rugby are actually doing okay by the developing rugby nations, would you think? Uh, yeah, progress. Not, not uh, it's kind of like all progress, not quite as quick as you'd like, but they're definitely, definitely imp- improving. Okay, it's worth, it's worth remembering that the bowled Epi will do anything to raise some cash. In the 2007 Rugby World Cup, when he was still playing, he changed his name by deed poll to Paddy Power uh, to raise some, a few bob for the Tongans. So, <laughs> fair play, Epi. Um, Tonga actually play New Zealand on Friday. That's their final game. Uh, but Ireland, of course, are centre stage this weekend. Australia v Wales at Twickenham on Saturday, you know, should be a cracking game of rugby. But if you want out and out warfare, 
all roads leads to the millennium. I hope you'll be joining us for this, Ben, I assume, will you? Uh, you're, su- <laughs> you're suggesting, Peter, that I haven't been joining you. It's just that some of us have things to do at home as well. But in any case, let's leave that one. I will certainly be joining you and looking forward to it. Great. OK, well, are you predicting an Irish win? <sighs> Sorry. Yes. We've got to do it, haven't we? We've got to yes, do it. yes, we do have to do it. I'm, I'm, uh, and... You're going for an Ireland win? Yeah, I wouldn't envy fellas who were reporting on the whistle, put it that way, because I'd say it'll be about 10 seconds before the whistle when the uh, result becomes clear. It's going to be yeah. super sweaty. Yeah. But yeah, Ireland, well, Ireland by minimum. Yeah, I'm going for an Ireland, a narrow Ireland win also. Well, we'll be here again next week to discuss it all on Down the Blind Side, brought to you in association with DID Electrical. I'm Peter O'Reilly of the Sunday Times. And I'm Brendan Fanning of the Sunday Independent. And we look forward to your company then.